This is a Hot Pie Original. Uh, welcome to the Gray Area Podcast with me, Chad Fisher. No more, it's no more. Yo, yo, it's Aaron Cheatham. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Gray Area Podcast. I am Chad Fisher alongside my co-host, Mr. Aaron Cheatham. Aaron, how are you doing, brother? I am fantastic. We just had a picture fall off the wall right as we're There's a ghost in this room. Like, y'all, who brought me in this haunted-ass studio? There's a, like, literally, we're counting down, and then stuff starts falling off of walls. I know a ghost no when I see a ghost. Shit either, I know a ghost when I see a ghost, and that was yeah. a ghost came in here and knocked that He didn't like. He didn't picture. like it, man. He didn't like the paint-by-numbers. Photo you have. It's not a paint by number photos, first of all. <laughs> Don't you disrespect Mr. Garrow. He's a great art teacher. Secondly, how y'all got me in this haunted ass studio? <laughs> this cold ass haunted ass studio. You know what? Because now it's warm. So I'm, it had to have been a ghost yeah. up in here because they say when you're around supernatural presences yeah. and stuff that you can feel that it's colder. The air is colder. Oh, really? Yeah. That, did you not? I'm, I don't yeah. study. So, yeah, they say when there's a supernatural spirit, you can feel it in the air. It's colder. You yeah. see your breath. It was cold as shit. It's not cold now. And my picture got knocked yeah. down. Wherever you if, are, ghost. Uh, if the toucan falls down, then we know we got a problem. We need to bring some some uh, hey, ghost you know hunters what? in here or some shit. I'm, it must have been a conservative. <laughs> just a conservative ass ghost just yeah. some old republic ass ghost like yeah. I don't like this painting <laughs> you better watch Malcolm he might be next yeah dog let's hope not man cause that uh, that frame was like $20 ghosts don't care about no $20 <laughs> <laughs> he's but, uh, got the blooms and shit he yeah yeah right <laughs> how you doing man you good how's your week uh, man you know what I'm tired but I'll tell you one thing Austin is a beautiful town but yeah. the one of the worst things about this town is the goddamn allergies. Yeah. Oh, and Jesus. Dog, it's been was, really bad this year. Man, and it's only, what, 15 days into the year. Yeah, and it's yeah. been really bad this year. Uh, like, I got sick, too. Like, yesterday, I'm standing outside in legit, like, a whole cloud. Of pollen? Of what? Like, Cedar a, or something? A visible yeah. pile of dirt and stuff just like blew right past me and i'm like standing in and it just blew right over me yep. and immediately nose locked up yep. clock clock it's done that's crazy man. it was a wrap for me for the rest of the day like i just had that sinus pressure and it's like doesn't say you sound worse now than you did last week oh yeah well, actually this is better than i sound dude last I, night. i've been the same man i've, I've been uh, i've been like i couldn't breathe at all yesterday and it's this is the worst place to have allergies and the worst time to have them yeah because anything people go oh it's covid yeah, you know, no, dude. It's like that's not how yeah. it works. Like, and, yeah, <laughs> and everything is just uh is immediately like there's no flu anymore. That's we can we can lay rest to the flu. No one gets the flu anymore. It's immediately COVID. It's I, COVID. I thought that too when I had like allergies. I was like, I bet if I go get tested, it'll come back positive. Even though I know it's allergies. Yeah, it's not COVID. It's pollen. But you got yeah. you positive or something. Yeah, yeah, you got something. In Every you. people will judge you real quick because I'm gonna be honest with you. Somebody can't come, smoke weed nowhere now. Somebody sitting next to you sits next to me and they say. Oh yeah, I had COVID a month ago. I go to a new table, right? Yeah. So yeah, same. If you if if you have any symptoms, people just immediately look at you like, like a leper. Ew, gross. Like my arm's not about to fall <laughs> yeah, off. I'm yeah. not a leper. Yeah. Okay, it's just cedar is not my shit right now. Yeah, that's what that is. 
Yeah, you can't smoke weed nowhere anymore because as soon as they hear the coughing, they're just like, uh-uh, motherfucker, you better get out of here. I'm like, no, nah, dog, I'm just smoking a lot of weed. I tell you, I have never <laughs> been so nervous about uh, a cough or a sniffle in my yeah. entire life. It's like uh, a little tickle in my throat. And yeah. there's people around, it's like, yeah, I'm about to die. I gotta, I gotta, oh my God, I gotta hold this thing <laughs> yeah. until my eye falls out we'll or fall. I gotta find somewhere to get away real quick. Yeah. Uh, how's your week been? It's been good, brother. Uh, just uh, been hanging out, um, getting back in the swing of things, getting everything situated with our podcast, obviously. About to start... Uh, all the stand-up shows are opening back up, I think. So Yeah, we uh we, we had a nice little outing last night uh at Santa Cruz Theater. And you guys at Santa Cruz stay tuned because yeah. uh You've got a uh, weekly show there right now too. Well yeah, and pretty soon we're gonna be doing shows there. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll see. Hopefully, yeah. Um but yeah, like it, it was last night was very good and that topic actually came up last night. Yeah. The topic of uh the flu being dead and yeah. talk over yeah, some Somebody uh, was working on a premise on that last night. So you have a uh, hive thinking right now. Like there's yeah, other man, people thinking know. that same I, thing. Yeah, dog. I'm on, I'm on the same plane. All right. You got a shout out for the week? Yeah, man. So um, my shout out of the week, dog, it's uh, it's uh, January, you know, um, around there. Uh, Dr. King's birthday. Man. Okay. One of my favorite historical figures ever, Dr. Martin Luther King. I encourage people to look into him more because I think there's like this, uh, like people have kind of dismissed a lot of the other things that he was working on. It wasn't just civil rights, you know. Um, that's one thing that I think is lost in the shuffle a lot of times is that Dr. King was also talking about towards the end of, uh, latter stages of his life was talking about um, like capitalism and like what we talked about with Peter Joseph about uh, um, market slavery. And oh, you mean like he was that. talking about the things that got him killed? That's what, and then uh, and then he mysteriously ends up dead when he, they're like, oh, we don't give a fuck about Civil rights, y'all can drink at the same water fountain, but when you start talking about capitalism, motherfucker, that's when you get murked. You start fucking with the white man's paper. Yeah, dog, we ain't playing that shit. And you get epstein Yeah, yeah. Real quick. What's that, where you're on like a deserted island with a bunch of whores and shit? No, like you just end up suicided. <laughs> oh, yeah. Air quotes. He's, he's probably still, yeah. Suicided. He's, he's, he's hanging probably, out with Michael Jackson nah, and Elvis right and now. And Hitler, dog, they're just like drinking nah, Hitler's margarita. dead. You think so? But Elvis and Michael Jackson and yeah. Tupac, they're still around. That would be a hell of a concert, man. Um, My shout out. Oh, man, I just, I, I totally just <laughs> went blank on it. I had oh, it. Oh, dude. Uh, wait, you just said Martin Luther King. It's January. Oh, no. I really had. Oh, okay. Look at you. Dude, I was Look so prepared. You. I didn't write it down because like, oh, yeah, I got that. Um, This is right. a great time to tell you that smoking weed affects your short-term memory. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I wish yeah. I wish I was there right now. Yeah. Um my shout out of the week is to uh man, you know what? This yeah. is this is terrible. This is terrible right now. I totally went blank. Um You're like, I, I microphones. Just, I love microphones. Yeah, listen to to the cardboard people. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah, the, yeah. the guy that uh, invented lamination. Yeah. Shout out to him. Um no, I, I can give one real quick though. A shout out to my mom. Uh was her birthday yesterday? Oh, there you go, dude. Yeah, yeah. that should have been it, anyways. And uh, you know, I don't give her credit, like. <laughs> That's wrong, man. But no, shout out to my mom out there in Gulfport, Mississippi. Happy birthday! I uh, hope you had a good one at the casino because you follow. All I was about the to rules. say, I, it you sounds like she probably all the rules. She was in Gulfport. She's probably at the casino all the time. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm so thankful that yeah. when I called you yesterday, that you were not at home to receive the gift that was waiting for you at the door. Um, She's hitting them slots. I know she was hitting them slots. And them slots. Hard, hard. So shout out to my mom. Happy birthday! Yeah. Um, and for you guys, we have a big guest. We are yeah. ready to bring in Chad. Yeah. Are you ready to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead guests? and do it. Uh, uh, this week, well, super excited, man. We've got a, an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, he is the inventor of the veggie burger. He's also the author of Son of God, and also the State is Out of Date. Two amazing books, uh, uh, which I'm uh, holding right now. 
Please welcome to the show, Mr. Gregory Sams. How you doing, brother? Good to see you, man. I'm doing great. Good to see you. Thanks guys. for doing the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming it. on. Pleasure to see you, sir. Yeah. Great. great. My pleasure to be here. I, I do want to uh, say this, though. Uh, I, I want to put out there like, how I met Gregory. Uh, so I was reading his, I had watched uh, The Pyramid Code on, uh, at the time it was on Netflix. This was 10 years ago or so. And I started reading books by some of the authors that were on there and then some of the people that were affiliated with them and whatnot. And I found, I came across Gregory's book while doing like a, a search on um, Amazon. And the foreword was written by Graham Hancock, a very well-known author, researcher and whatnot. And so I uh, was just fascinated by Gregory's book, man. And so I started, I found him on Facebook and sent him a friend request. And then he, uh, I think he sent me a message later and was like, hey, uh, uh, says something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but we were, I was like, dude, I'm reading your book right now. This is crazy as shit. I was, uh, so, uh, I was starstruck at the time, honestly. And then, so Greg and I have kept in touch and I went to Europe like five years ago. And while I was over there, I was, I went to London and got to meet with Greg and we had a nice little dinner, got to chill out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> got, got, got to have some fun if you know what I mean <laughs> had some fun no he made a lovely dinner I got to chill in his garden we uh we we chopped it up man it was awesome he gave you some uh some um tips um uh, some uh tourist uh tips I think he told me to go to Trafalgar Square which uh wasn't on my list I went down there and hung out there for a little bit it was awesome man you uh you you live in London you've been out there for a while now uh, your whole life, right? So, what did yeah. you move there at three years old? Pretty much. Okay. Three years um, old, I got here. Yeah. So, um, you invented the veggie burger. Was it because you were just tired of eating all, like all the shitty London food, or well, <laughs> you're like, if I have bangers and some cold ass bangers and mash one more time, I might move. <laughs> is that so? Is that that's obviously why you did it, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, my brother and I introduced this country to natural foods and okay. organic foods. Okay. So I spent about fifteen years from the age of eighteen. Uh -huh. selling you know, introducing people to brown rice telling them what pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds were that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and that was pioneering work it was hard work but as soon as uh, somebody else could put a pound of brown rice in a bag for a penny less than us mm -hmm. people would buy it you got no brand loyalty and i thought you know so we ended up we're losing a lot of money actually and um i figured we needed something new and i created the veggie burger i thought this is going to be uh, let's go for the fast food market for the, the epitome of the fast food market, the burger, and for a change, make it cheaper. Because we're always going on about how it takes 10 pounds of vegetable protein to produce one pound of meat protein. Oh, wow. That's the vegetable product, and they're more expensive than the meat. So the veggie burger was 49p, which is about 70 cents, um, for four burgers, for a pack that made four burgers. And it was really cheap, and it just... I mean, I worked like hell to get a good recipe with natural ingredients. There's lots of sesame seeds and oats in it, and it's um, it was it it was the answer to what I was looking for. But the investors in the previous business, which was Harmony Foods and Whole Earth Foods, uh, they they thought Veggie Burger that's not going to save the company, and. Uh, we want some real action because because most new products fail. Ninety five percent of new products fail, and and I then left the company, took the veggie burger with me as a one man enterprise gangster. <laughs> started off in my um, spare bedroom instead of a fifty five thousand square foot warehouse with forty staff, 
suddenly I was running this business from a spare bedroom. And I had, as I had planned, I had other people doing all the work, the mixing, the testing, the packaging. And, and I was like the spider in the center of this web, running it all off of an old um, Apple IIe computer. Wow. Wow. Uh, and VisiCalc. And VisiCalc, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's social enterprising in the 80s. That's well before it became popular in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and it was, it started the vegetarian food market. I mean, there was no such thing at that point. I'd call up a supermarket and half the time they'd put me, I'd tell a receptionist what I was doing and they'd put me through the meat buyer. Because all they heard was burgers. Yeah. (laughs) Vegetarian didn't know what it was. Um, but when I got one of the big supermarkets to take it, it just flew off their shelves and there was this black hole. Nobody knew there were that many people out there who mainly 16 to 24 year old girls who were changing their diets and wanted less meat in them. Nice. Nice. Greg, um, here on the gray area, we like to play games with our guests to introduce our audience to them a little bit more. Are you ready to play a game with us? I mean, yeah. All right. This one is called the Gray Area Gauntlet, also known as the Gag. Uh, gag. The Gag. <laughs> uh, this week's this week's gauntlet is going to be inventions from the '80s. Okay. Uh, so we know, as you just said, the veggie burger burger was invented in the '80s. So I'm going to give you a list of uh, of inventions, and at the end of this list, we're going to figure out what the greatest invention of the '80s was. Are you ready, Greg? Yeah. All right. Uh, here are your first choices. <clears throat> The disposable camera or the personal computer? Which one do you got? Personal computer. Over the disposable camera? Like, I mean. This is my my preference of the two. That is, yeah. 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 And I mean, the disposable camera is obsolete now. So, yeah. I I guess you chose right. Those are cool, though. They were cool. Yeah. Something about that geek, geek, geek. Yeah, yeah. I I like that feeling. Remember, like, now it's like instantaneous, but remember, you had to, like, go, you go, like, Pick the pictures up from like Walmart. Yeah, it'll drop them off in a bag. Hoping there wasn't like a titty in the picture or something. Man, I mean, that's a whole (laughs) industry that's gone now. People about it and accidentally take a picture of a titty in this. Uh, the the best thing about the disposable camera is when you forgot you had one. Yeah, yeah. And then you find oh, it three years later. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, shit, these are the pictures from that trip yeah. to Cancun. Don't let mom see. Yeah, hell like, no. All right, so you picked the personal computer. Uh, next up. I'd rather veggie burger with it. Right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, the personal computer or the Nintendo Game Boy? Personal computer. Okay. Um, the personal computer or the clapper? The clapper. That was the coolest shit ever. Uh, the personal computer, I don't know what the clapper <laughs> is. So. Remember the clapper? Clap, people, turn the, the lights off lights, and shit? Clap yeah, yeah. on lights, clap off lights. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm let, just, me think, let me think about that. <laughs> I think, yeah, personal computer. Personal yeah. computer, oh, okay. Uh, I'm just saying, like, when, when you hear clapper in 2021, you might be like, Oh, me, shit. Stay you, away from her. Yeah, wear exactly. A condom. <laughs> Better wear a condom when you're around yeah, Cynthia. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you're on 12 inch of cone, watch heard, out for the clappers. I heard Cynthia had the clapper. <laughs> <laughs> and she can't turn her lights off. And she can't turn her lights <laughs> off. All right. So far, the personal computer is running away with this thing. Um, let's see. What was next? Her personal computer or Prozac? Personal computer. <laughs> Over Prozac? Prozac. <laughs> Prozac. I've never, Prozac. Taken, I've, never taken, I've never taken Prozac. I always res, resorted to less legal, less less pharmaceuticalized products. All right, we got one more. You ready for this? This is it. This is the last one. 
Or actually, there's two. I'm sorry. There's two more. Um, the personal computer or the CD disc? Personal computer. <laughs> CDs were a con. They said you could play, use them as Frisbees, you know, that was so yeah. permanently ingrained. I've got cassettes that still play perfectly, chrome cassettes. CDs, you know, they were a, a transient thing, but... Scratch and shit, yeah. They're pretty. All right. Pretty. Here we go. The personal computer or... Genetic fingerprinting. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, first time I was arrested, I was extraordinary how the police were took about 15 different stages to fingerprint me. This is when we had scanners. We had the technology. This was about 15 years ago. And, and I thought, how incredible. They should just digitally fingerprint me. So I'll pick personal computer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Personal computer, according to Gregory Sams, is the greatest invention of the 1980s. And why why are you such a, a proponent of the personal computer over these other great achievements in technology in the 80s? Well, you left the veggie burger out of there. Yeah. Really. <laughs> oh, you know what? I was going to throw it in there, very but I, insulted. Too I didn't. Late now. Too late now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to feel like I was patronizing you by saying the veggie burger or the personal computer. Uh, well, I, I couldn't have done the veggie burger without the personal computer. That's you know, that's how I could run it from a spare bedroom. Personal computer and busy calc. That was a primitive personal computer. I remember. I had a Commodore. Back in the day, do you remember the Commodore computer? Is Apple computer? I went straight into the Apple IIe. Okay, that was before before Macintosh. All right, nice, nice, nice. So you've been rocking with computers for a long time. We all know the the greatest yeah. invention of the eighties is uh, Alf too. I was going to say AIDS. I thought AIDS was the greatest <laughs> invention of the eighties. <laughs> Wait, too soon. Too soon. Too soon? Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're a conspiracy. You're saying it was invented by somebody. Yeah, oh, shit. Probably, shit. Probably. Yeah, by, by, by the planet Earth invented that, okay? Yeah. Mother Earth invented AIDS. Yeah. Mother Earth, um, a scientist and a monkey named Bubbles oh, out in East Bubbles. Africa. <laughs> 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 Bubbles. Chad, you got headlines for us? Yeah, yeah, let's do some headlines. So um, uh, one of the first headlines we got here is uh, now this is um, – I was kind of like hoping for this anyways, you know, just because I hope that it like brings, um, it shows like how politics aren't really solving problems and they're not designed to solve problems. The Democrats now control House, Senate, White House, everything. So I, I just want people to pay attention over the next four years, how little gets accomplished, you know, how little changes, how much, uh, how little everything changes in, in, in the United States over the next four years, because like we've already we've already uh, seen this happen, you know what I mean, with um, uh, Biden already like backtracking on some of the promises that he made and everything like that. Already, this motherfucker ain't even in office yet. But uh, they finally have full control and everything like that. I just want to see what creative excuses they're going to come up with for why nothing gets accomplished, like tangibly, over the next four years. Okay, I think it's a headline. Um, all, all, uh, already, um, we've seen Joe Biden already. Uh, cut down you know he said when he was running for president uh everyone's gonna get like two thousand dollar stimulus checks and he came out yesterday or today and said it's 1400 now 15 i think 14 okay that's some crackhead <laughs> shit that's crackhead shit that was quick yeah that was like dude you, you haven't even sworn in he's already like all right i might have lied about like by 35 percent or so no big deal you know but uh it's just hilarious man it just cracks me up that people like idolize 
some of these politicians and stuff like that. And they have to, um, they have to like, uh, justify their actions over the, all the, uh, over the next four years. And they, you see like the compromise of their beliefs start to happen rapidly as soon as, um, they're needed to be held accountable. You know what I'm saying? Um, another one. I got one. Yeah. Uh, so the, this is from upi.com. Uh, police respond to chickens wreaking havoc at New Jersey McDonald's. Uh, so apparently there was a pair of chickens in the parking lot. Uh, my friends in there chasing people down and like fighting in the parking lot and, and like attacking people's cars and shit. And kind of like the squirrels we talked about last week. Yeah. That was like attacking people. Of, of course they were. They're in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. It's Jersey. Yeah, like, yeah. No one's happy in New Jersey. <laughs> including the chickens. <laughs> yeah. so, maybe, maybe they've been eating leftover McDonald's that's a, from the area. Yep, there, there you go. go. There you go. And this is an experiment somebody causing, was running. There's a little research. We just feed some chickens McDonald's for 30 days and see what happens. Yeah. I'll tell you what happens. Violence. They storm the capital. Yep. These <laughs> chickens storm the capital. Yeah, that's, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, do you have another one? Yeah, and then the final one is going to be um, this is something I've always wanted to talk about. They're like, oh, sorry, my headlines are a little serious this week. I, I wasn't even like trying to be funny. For yeah, some you reason. were. You, you're always serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, scientists find a link between obesity and COVID deaths. Of course there is. Yeah. It's so, but, but no, condition. of course there is. Yeah, we say that, but it's so many times like throughout this whole pandemic that I've like talked to people and stuff like that, or I've mentioned that you know what I mean that like oh. You want to get on everybody about masks. All right. Well, then you need to, you know, get on Cindy about that double cheeseburger with extra bacon and yeah. chili on it. Yeah. Stop drinking Coke, Coca-Cola's for fucking breakfast. You know, this is the thing that Terry, um, you, fat you bring that up. And like a lot of people <laughs> shit it on. I think it was uh, de Blasio that did this in uh, New York. But when they got rid of the 64 ounce sodas, like they outlawed or banned yeah. 64 ounce sodas, people were in an uprise about it. But like real talk like that was he was he was looking out for you. You know, yeah. you didn't need 64 ounces <laughs> no one does. of carbonated A family don't sugar. need 64 ounces of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, a family size. I mean, and, and I, haven't, I, I don't know the research, but I would imagine that that might have helped out a lot of people. Like, I don't know the numbers if they went down on obesity in, yeah. in New York City or not. But uh, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's this funny is funny if you're like at the grocery store, and there's like some like super fat lady that's like yelling at you for not wearing a mask or wearing it properly while she's just got like Hawaiian punch and like Cheetos in her cart and shit. Hey, don't, hey, don't grocery shame I'm just, people. Uh, dog, don't I'm saying, grocery you gotta shame throw some people. greens in there, Terry. Okay, you can't just eat all plastic all, all fucking I'm bag is, shit. Um, yeah, that, you know, maybe maybe that does play a part because they, they do seem to have other health issues uh, based on their, their weight. So, yeah. Uh, they don't want to hear that, that though. I mean, literally COVID gets in there and goes, for me, <laughs> yeah, <tougher laughs> all of this for me Damn. oh you shouldn't have yeah, seriously this motherfucker's got hawaiian punch uh flowing through her veins oh, oh shit, shit. Is, is this uh processed sugar i'll yeah. take some of that yeah, right there hell yeah just laying on a bed of processed sugar right next to the pancreas dehydrated cancer oh let me put some life just, in that yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously dude yeah no but it's hilarious that no one like uh addresses this because i guess it's so much easier to put a mask on than it is to like get to the gym or stop eating hot dogs. What do you, what do you want them to say? What do you want them to say? Hey, stop being fat. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't exactly work. No, no, just take your health more seriously. And you can't be like shaming other people for not wearing masks or something while you're eating like a 12 year old kid whose parents are gone. We shouldn't be shaming each other, period. Um, but 
No, we should. What's that, Gregor? We shouldn't, we shouldn't be calling them masks either because they are technically speaking muzzles. Yeah, there you go. A mask is what Zorro wore. Yeah, yeah. You know, a muzzle is what goes over your nose and mouth. A muzzle is what's in my bedroom waiting on my wife right now. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> can I throw Damn, one more? Damn, dog. Can shit. I, can I throw one more? Yeah, go ahead. Because I thought this story was interesting. Um, and I'd actually like to hear Greg's perspective on this. Um, headline also from UPI.com. Nova Scotia kite surfer finds message in a bottle with a diamond ring. Oh, shit. So uh, the story is basically this guy was out kite surfing. Kite flows, flies away. He goes to find it. When he, when he locates his kite, he finds a message in the bottle on, in the ocean. And he opened it up and there was a letter inside and there was a diamond ring in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just like some. Uh, so they kind of traced it back. They, they used some, uh, I don't know how they did it, but they found this guy that sent off this bottle. And apparently he's been doing this for like the last 40 years, wow. just throwing messages and bottles out into the ocean. And he's had like several of them returned. Um, real talk. I might've went and found him and took him his message. <laughs> you ain't getting that ring back. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't no. getting that ring back. <laughs> That's mine now. That's mine. What was the message? Oh, hold on. I can tell you. Let me, I can read it to you. Let me pull it up real quick. The it's message probably like, was, uh, like, uh, um, let's see here. Equipment research bottle. It says, uh, actually, it doesn't say. I thought Wait, it did. What if it was just like something super innocuous, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it doesn't say. I thought it did say. Um, it does not say what it was. Uh, but he, uh, it was, uh, I think, a letter to his mother who had died in 2018. Jesus. And so I, I don't know, is this person, the person that does this, are they very hopeful or have they lost it? Like, do you have too much time on your hands? To, when you, who has this many bottles to be throwing in the ocean, first of all? And uh, is this a European thing? Because I know in America, we ain't throwing, like we throw stuff in the ocean, but it's like, we're done with it. It's plastic, it's face mask. Um, do you guys, are you guys hopeless romantics over there in, in Europe? <laughs> It makes you think it came from England. I love the idea. I'd love to lay claim to the the Europeans throwing bottles, glass bottles, not plastic, with diamond rings in the water. But I think this guy's a a one-off, and uh, I don't think he's a serious world problem, though. We've got crazier people out there doing damage. Yeah. I I like to uh, spread out my my trash. So I just throw it, like, on the highway and shit. Because it's all going to the ocean anyways. Let's spread it out, man. You know, let's... I I throw I throw, <laughs> I just throw I just throw pizza boxes out the window. People are like, "Hey, you shouldn't do that." And I'm like, "Hey, look. We got to spread it out, all right? It's not fair that we put it all in the ocean. There's some manatees out there. Everything that They're Greg, probably going to be happy. Everything that Greg uh passed up on in the gauntlet, I throw all that shit out on the highway. CD <laughs> yeah, disc, yeah. <laughs> Prozac. <laughs> Prozac shit. We'll do that. Most of my trash though just goes into my neighbor's backyard cuz fuck them. Uh, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> there you go. No, spread uh, that trash out, people. If you, if you learn anything from the podcast this week, it's to litter. Spread that trash out. Spread tra- spread your trash like uh like like Chad spreads chlamydia. Uh, God spread damn, it. dog. <laughs> Shit. I got a son, motherfucker. Settle down. Shit. You're like, not no more. Not no, no more. man. I got that fixed. <laughs> so, another uh, uh, penicillin. Fucking, that's a, okay, penicillin. That was not invented. I'm sorry, not penicillin. What, what is it? Uh, what, what's the, what do you Prozac? treat? No, what do you treat chlamydia with? Penicillin, right? I don't know. I never I had it. Know. 
Uh, me either. Yeah, you, uh, ne- yeah, you neither. You neither. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember. Damn. All right, next topic, man. Next uh, uh, so, um, you got to... Yeah, so, Greg, uh, we got you here. That was the headlines from Chad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out. So, I had a question for you, Greg, about the veggie burger. Uh, we already alluded to it earlier in the interview, but... Uh, you went to great lengths to keep that recipe secret when you uh, yeah, when you first yeah. came up with it. And I was telling Chad that I had heard the story about when bubblegum was created. They had a very similar process because there was a people were trying to figure out a formula for bubblegum for a long time. Right. And when they accidentally came up with it, they didn't want anybody to know it. So they had it manufactured in different parts so that nobody ever had the entire uh, recipe. So one company did this part, one company did yeah, that yeah. part, and then another company combined the two. Uh, what lengths did you go to? To keep your recipe That's secret. How I did it. Oh, just <laughs> it like that? There's about 15 ingredients in it. And I had all the small ingredients mixed up by one company who didn't know even what they were doing, putting it in, in, in bags. And then I, I controlled the transport and, the, and all that. And then that bag went to another person who mixed the next, the other four ingredients in it. And, um, and then the finished product went somewhere else to be packed. So nobody had the the full recipe. I mean, I have ingredients on the side of the packet, but that doesn't tell you the the recipe. Right, right. So that's how I did it, and then I it built up, and quite quite quickly the, the business built up. And then I found a contract manufacturer who would just sign away his life to get that business, and they that so, so they committed they would never do any product like it, et cetera, et cetera. And I gave them the formula, and they made it. Um, they bought the ingredients. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, and I would just get the finished product from them, but I would dictate the price for it. Do Do you and think that your product would have been as successful uh, if you hadn't gone to such lengths to keep the recipe a secret? Um, yes, because by the time I – I don't know. Yes, it would have been because I was way ahead of the field. Okay. Before other people came into it, and and I kept the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you should you should be but in I, politics, I, holding secrets like I that. I trademarked the I trademarked the word. I cre- I created the word veggie burger. I list the green burger, earth burger, veggie burger, sesame burger, and um and I was like working with all these different names, and I I chose veggie burger, which didn't sound that descriptive at the time. Uh, and, I, and you can't trademark a descriptive word, but I trademarked that, and eventually it entered the language. Are you still getting paid off a of veggie burger? No. Oh. Can we help you with that? Can you want us to go? <laughs> I can go run up in somebody's office and get you some cash if you want. I mean, <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> well, I've, I've reformulated the original. Anyway, it's a long story, but I, I could relaunch it now. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm just possible project of mine yeah after you did the veggie burger you like left the industry you left the corporate world and you took like a two-year sabbatical where you uh where you learned about chaos theory um in that time and then you came back to the public eye what happened in those two years like um i was telling chad like we had peter joseph on and he was a successful uh businessman and then he left and uh and became a free thinker uh you left you were a free enterprise entrepreneur and then you left that. And what did you learn? What happened? What did you experience that made you change the way that you, uh, that you viewed the world? Um, I had been 
working my ass off from the age of 18 when I opened the restaurant up to the time that I sold veggie burger when I was 39. Wow. And I, first and foremost, followed a, I used to read a lot of John McDonald novels. And his, his hero, Travis McGee, who is the main character, Travis McGee, who was a detective with do big jobs, very dangerous job, great writer. And after every job, he would take an advance installment on his retirement. And at the age of 39, I took a two-year advance installment on my retirement. And I, I went to lots of parties, I had lots of fun. <laughs> uh, but before that, well, well before that, in the late 70s, I'd taken a course on free enterprise, which taught me about the, the power of freedom of freely people and, and the morality of making a profit and the profitability of being moral with a business of doing, doing the right thing and not cheating people, um, having good products. And so that, that was what enabled me to be a success. Then my, and I had various themes and ideas in those two years. I thought, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. I've still got a file. I never of them. But then I read the book Chaos by James Gleig. And that was just completely changed my life. Because it brought together the free enterprise course that I'd been in that I'd taken. It brought together the drugs and parties that I would go to. And I'd, I'd go to Goa and I'd see parties just self-organized. Um, somebody had the idea of a party and the different bits would all fall into place and it would be a free party. And it's just a, a, a wonder to see this happening when there's no management and controls in place. And so that was, a, so that led me to open the world's only ever shop on dedicated to chaos. And I had lots of, um, fractal posters and postcards and clothes and jigsaw puzzles. And imagine a fractal jigsaw puzzle is really one of which, uh, inspired the, uh, outcast album, Stankonia, right. Or was That's used correct. on That's outcast correct. album. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Did you know that? Yeah. I was gonna say, I don't think you knew that. Did I you? did not know that. Yeah. Dude, there's a, one of his, uh, was the name of the, uh, picture. Was it fractals? Was that the name of it? Blutonia. Blutonia. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so, uh yeah, uh, Outcast used that or uh, they looked up on the wall in their in their room and my poster was they bought it and it was up on their wall and they said that's going to be the inspiration for our next album. That's uh, awesome for real. So and, cool. And so that which was and Stank was their their word for hip hop mm -hmm. and Plutonia was my poster. So Stankonia that's was awesome. the name of the album and the name of their recording studio when they made it. It was a uh, I had no idea I, until Apple Music guy contacted me, offered me 500 bucks to <laughs> send them the original high-resolution file for the little video they were making on it. That's awesome. What? He's a renaissance man, I'm telling you. He just fucking does it all. Okay. Partying all over the damn London. You're inspiring hip-hop legends? Yeah, self-organizing parties that just uh, that just materialize. Fucking and... and it's, and so, so the book oh, the book on chaos theory made me realize that organization from the bottom up is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the, the classic examples is feeding a city like London or you know, Bombay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, where you've got millions of people and they've all got different money in their pockets, different tastes, they get hungry at different times or where they, wherever they are, and they all get fed with no central planning. And that's just, that's chaos theory at work. And it also, in, in rainforests, you know, things self-assemble without anybody saying where the range, where the trees are going to go, where the river is going to go, the frogs here, monkeys there, it just... It does self-organize, and we do that as, as, as a society. We do it really well. And then we take the most important things and say, oh, we've got to have the government do this. And these guys, that's top-down. They're not, they're not, they're connect, just, they cut all the feedback loops that make things work in the real world. Like we don't, have any, we don't have any politicians that are scientists or conservationists or anything like that. They usually come from the business sector. Yeah. And even if it's the fact that they don't have those, the feedback loops. So, you know, if, if we all, if, if we start going on about how wonderful apples are and lots more people start apples, the farmers will start growing more apples. Just simple things like that. Um, you haven't got much money in your pocket. That's going to have an effect on what you buy to eat. But all of these are feedback loops, and the government, you know, you to cut the feedback loops and say, no, we're going to determine how things are instead of let them evolve and you know, create a sustainable future. And, and they usually get it wrong, and even when they get it right, their, their technique is not to let it happen, but to legislate it, fine you if you don't do it or penalize you or take our taxes and funnel it into a nuclear power plant or whatever they think we need. And that's, that's the real problem. And that's what chaos theory made me realize. And I knew politicians, I knew that, um, I knew that the scientists would never get into the sociological side of chaos theory. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, brings us into our next question. Um, you talked about chaos theory. Can you, can you maybe explain that a little bit better for uh, everyone? Just kind of exactly what it is. And I think most people's idea of chaos theory yeah. comes from Jurassic park with <laughs> Jeff Goldblum talking about chaos theory. And like, that was my initial yeah. thought of no, chaos yeah, theory. Yeah. yeah. Can you just go delve into, into that a little bit more and just explain? Uh, so it was, discovered or in the late the late 70s and it was almost accidental because these scientists were finding out that there was a a pattern in a dripping tap and that was one of the one of the fundamental experiments was done with a cassette recorder and a camera and you know about a hundred dollars worth of equipment at the time instead of you know Billion, millions of dollars worth of equipment. And they were like really cutting edge stuff and finding pa- patterns in nature that we hadn't been aware of yet. And the fractal geometry it was, it was Benoit Mandelbrot's invention because geometry means measure of the earth. And the earth isn't circles and triangles and parallelograms, it's coastlines and trees and clouds. And he wanted a geography, uh, a geography that, that uh, geometry that would measure that, um, and so we created fractal geometry that saw that. And, that. and we understand now that's why our lungs and our circulation system work because they're fractal. It's a sort of self similarity, but getting smaller and smaller veins and branching out, so that every single cell in your body is 
supplied with blood as this cup as the veins get smaller and smaller and uh you can look at the gr- the ground from the air and see that the geomet- fractal geometry of the ground indicates that there are different metallic deposits there. Um, it's a, and it's looking often at the the roots of things instead of the, the the whole picture as well. Instead of kind of constantly reducing things, um, reductionism. It's looking at how the whole structure, how the whole system works, and. And you do see so much self-organization, even in um, a sort of electron soup that was made. Um, It was seen that the electrons appeared to be self-organizing like they knew what they were doing. And it's throughout nature and throughout the the, the Gautnia, everywhere you see this self-organization of stuff going on. And including in human civilization. And then you see the really important stuff is done by, by governments who just cut that. There's no bottom up anymore. It's completely top down. And however noble their ideas, they're really hard. To, it's very difficult for them to execute from that structure. Are there any other formulas that are able to measure like such a vast span of things? I mean, like, when you talk about chaos there, you can look at the natural world and how, you know, something like a water dripping out of a faucet, you can measure that. But also, like, you can also use chaos theory to tell, you know, what populations of people are going to do or uh, all the, it, it touches so many different things. Are there any other formulas like that that touch as many uh, aspects of life on Earth? Well, it's not a, uh, it's not a formula and chaos theory doesn't have one formula behind it okay and there's a formula for the mandel process which is very simple just involves multiplication one multiplication and one addition um and then you take the answer and put it but that that's i won't try to describe on the radio how fractals are, are created mathematically but it's they exist on a piece of paper and, and a formula enables you to see that they are that they are there it's on, on a um XY grid, basically, it's, they're quite extraordinary. Nobody knows why they are there and the, 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 the mathematical fractals, but the, um, the geometric ones are everywhere. Okay. Coastlines and trees so, and clouds. So you kind of alluded to it, uh, with, uh, your answer there earlier, uh, G you said, uh, I, I, you said this in, uh, the state is out of date, uh, your other yeah. book. Um, you said that um, human beings have achieved a hell of a lot without government and politics. Yeah. And can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit? And, you know, before we had politics as a, as a system, what how humans were governing themselves or how things were happening? Well, first of all, from the you know, simple level of governing things, you know, things like your microphone, headsets, this pen. And the bottles and beer and cars and airplanes and all the things that we have in our world that we really quite treasure were invented by us. Mm-hmm. There weren't government directives saying you you should have this sort of stuff. Um, and was, I'm thinking I've kind of got back to the question there. Um, I'm sorry. Say that again. 
Can you get back to the, what was the question again? Okay, I said uh, that the human beings have accomplished a lot without government yeah. or without uh, politics, and what that yeah. was exactly, and and how how the structure was prior to politics and government taking over. So, so, so first of all, the stuff that we've created has been done without government. Mm-hmm. Now, what you used to have, it's kind of two factors involved, but one was you used to have trade guilds where. The, the carpenters and the jewelers and people and the builders would get together and they'd have a guild because they didn't want people coming in and you know, giving people bad haircuts or houses that fall down. And those guilds would make sure that the quality of, of their members was, was up to standard. Mm-hmm. But you also didn't have limited liability companies. That was a government invention in the 19th century that a company could go bankrupt and the people who owned it could walk away or drive away in their Rolls Royces um, or helicopters and and all the creditors are screwed. And so when, when people had to keep their word, that put a a bit more morality, you know, a built in morality to businesses because you didn't want to lose your house. And uh, if you screwed people over, that's what could happen. So, and people did trade even back in the before we have any evidence of states or governments going back to like two and a half thousand, five thousand BCE. You had international trade. You had people getting in boats in the Mediterranean and Phoenicia, coming up to the west coast of England and Cornwall, buying tin, um, taking it back to make bronze, and you, you have. Jewelry from made in the Mediterranean found with Celtic burials. So you had this international trade going on before you had countries defined as countries even. And and we tend to think, well, you've got to have a government. The only only thing we need that state for, the, the basic underlying requirement, is to protect us from other versions of themselves. Right. That's, yep. That's their raison d'etre. And, and, and they started off by, you know, putting a sword to, our, to us and saying, give, give me your money. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more powerful than you. You've got to, to support me. And, and now it's become such an institution. People think that, you know, taxes are some natural fact of life. And, and some of it gets sprinkled back, but I don't know what it's like in America, but in England, about an eighth of the money that they take away comes back as sort of benefits and handouts and stuff like that. Right. But it's, it's basically the same, not that much has changed from the days of pharaohs and popes and princes running the world. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, like just going on that vein, uh, you believe, like, uh, you think that we could survive a crash of the global banking system and the nation states that they underwrite. Um, would will we survive or could we thrive? Because, I mean, like, wouldn't it take generations for us to be able to uh, recover from a crash of the systems that are in place right now? Or do you think it's possible for us to uh, to hold them accountable and make them work for us as opposed to us working for them? Uh, it's, I mean, I, I definitely think we, we could have, I'm not speaking past tense because it's, uh, 
at the moment, the whole system is being crushed. Right. Intentionally. Yeah. Devastatingly, you know, more so than bombs could destroy businesses even. And it could take us generations to recover from this if we ever do. Um, because the people who have engineered this do not have the sort of recovery in mind that, that we think of, where we're back to sort of free, free people who can move around the world at will and so forth. Um, and you're speaking about like the, the trans, the massive transfer of wealth that's occurred during this pandemic. At the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, if, and, and the banking system may collapse, but there's a huge, uh, body behind it, including companies like Circo, you may or may not heard of, but they, they, you know, worldwide, they, they're, they're ready to replace police forces. If that's wow. Really? Wait, what was the name of this company? Circo, S-E-R-C-O. And what do they do? Um, I've never heard of them. They run England's nuclear weapons arsenal. They have private security who deal with all these sort of illegal immigrants who come in and they keep them in jails until their stuff is sorted out. I mean, they're major and they're, and they're worldwide. It's, it's, it's a frightening. And they, they've got a lot of, um, as do the vaccine companies, they've got a lot of, um, bad, bad food for one thing or another, but, but they're a, they're a major institution. Wow. I never heard of them. And you think that they could be like mobilized to take over, like, you know, uh, police, uh, states or not. I don't know if they're big enough to police the world, but do you think that they can go into a place and, and, and take over as the, uh, police force or, uh, policing? Well, they're, the- they're, they're big enough to, um, operate in that area quite a bit and and they would if if the police funded by the state collapsed a lot of those people would immediately join if they were yeah i've never heard of this company before it's kind of like i'm assuming it sounds a little bit like blackwater or or whatever that organization was far more far more tentacles than blackwater oh wow this seems really like they they seem really dangerous because like you're talking about them being like a privately owned police force and we've already got privately owned prisons here in america like like can you privatize the justice department across the world like that seems very I mean, dangerous. it pretty much has been already hasn't it like the courts some of the courts are, 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 are our last resort you know you do get sometimes judgments that are that are that make sense um but but then you you can look at Julian Assange. The America right. is still trying to get him over, mm-hmm. and even though he he won his case in court, it's being appealed by America, and he's still in jail. Has been for a long time. It's there's no justice there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so uh, in your book, uh, the state is out of date. Um, you talk about. I mean, we don't even have to get into like how violent and how wasteful um uh governments are like all the destruction all the all the wrath that they've created all the uh the heartache and and um pollution and everything like that but can we just talk about just how inefficient governments are um you talk about that a little bit in your book as well about how terribly inefficient these people are and how they're you know wasting a lot of resources and a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that that could be going to people um to help people isn't, isn't reaching them. It's going to corporations, it's going to their pocket, what have you. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, we all know the examples. I mean, in, in America, I remember that old book on, you know, military spare parts and $12,000 toilet seats and, you know, $5,000 screwdrivers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Over in England, we had a classic example of it was where the, the, the invisibility of it is that there, there was a scandal. They found out that MPs or were, our, our congressmen, so to speak, were putting things on their expense account that they shouldn't have. So one of them had a boathouse in the lake at his, at his private home, um, and that was funded by the state. And others had, you know, ridiculous dining out bills they were charging. And they, you know, they were, you know, they're, they're corrupt. That's what politicians do. And, and but, but, but they, but they caught them out at it. And it was a big scandal. A couple of people, you know, got their knuckles badly wrapped. But meanwhile, you know, they spent 10 billion pounds. That used to be a lot of money like 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, still is on trying to integrate England's national health service. Cause we have the national health service, but all their communication is done by letters. They're not allowed to use the internet. <laughs> like to today, still? Forth. So when I go for, for an annual, I'm in a wheelchair, I go to one place for an annual look over, and I get a letter sent to me, and a letter sent to my local doctor in the post, because it's might breach the, the privacy laws if they use the internet. Uh, yeah. So they, they spent 10 million pounds trying to hook them up and get through this, Gave up after five years and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of money had been made by people working on it, advising <laughs> yeah. on it, 10 billion. Um, and then they just, they just gave it up. Now, that's about 100 years of MPs building boathouses in their ponds. Right. Uh, but everybody said, mm, you know, that's what, that's what governments do. Uh, if a supermarket chain did that, they'd be out of business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, it just doesn't happen. And, it, and, now there's a huge rail project in England costing a hundred billion plus, and, and again three times triple what the budget was initially, to 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 shave seven minutes off the journey from Birmingham to London. <laughs> the trains, there's the, the trains. You have private carriages now. Nobody's on the trains. You're not allowed to travel. Yeah. Trains still run back and forth, and if, if you go on the trains, there might be two or three people in your whole carriage. Wow. But they're still spending this hundred billion on this project, which is, you know, and there are probably a hundred examples like that, or a thousand examples like that in America. It's oh yeah, for sure, easily, easily wasteful because it's not their money. And that's what, the that's, contracts are often done with people that they know or they work with a lot. That's one thing that I think gets uh, lost in translation a lot of times is that when people are talking about. Uh, the government giving them money. It's not actually the government's money, is it? Yeah. I mean, this is coming from taxpayers. This is coming from our work, our labor, and everything like that. So it's not a government handout. There's no such thing as a government handout. If anything, the politicians that are uh, subsisting are, are are doing so off of our money, off of our labor. Off of, we notice that with uh, with COVID right now. Uh, you notice they're not. Th- their pay isn't isn't being uh isn't being lowered. You know they're not going without. But we you know to hell right, with everybody they're, else. They're sacrificing a boathouse so that we can yeah. have dinner and pay rent. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's not like it's it's our money. 
but it was the surplus that they were going to use for a $40,000 desk in yeah. their office. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you don't get that desk now. That's what it should be. You yeah. don't get that $40,000 desk now. It goes to American people. I totally their, agree. But instead, they're going to cut it out of education. They're going to mm-hmm. cut it out of never, the military. They're going to cut it yeah. out of funding for something else. Well, it's not the military. The military will definitely that's get fact, their, their, but, their piece. That's, but, that's a fact. But um, definitely research. Yeah, yeah. Anything stuff, that goes to help people to. to they're uh, going to cut it out of that. To help people FEMA, live. Everything like that, yeah. Uh, any social services, that shit gets cut right away. But they still got, you know, uh, United States every every seems every year. It's a new record uh, um, defense budget and everything. While people are starving and, and going uh, going hungry and and being kicked out of their houses and everything like that, these rich people are not having a problem with that whatsoever. And I want to ask you, G, like, why you think that is? So a little bit in your in your book, Son of God. Um, which I want to uh, plug one more time in the book, son of God, you can find this on Amazon. You find, I, I want to say real quick also that I bought six copies of this book. Gee, I, I am like single-handedly wow. keeping you in business. <laughs> They're like, uh, you got a massive market in Austin, Texas, man. I don't know what the hell's going on, but everyone in Austin loves it. Now I've, I've bought this book so many times for friends of mine. I, I give it to people. I just gave it to a, a friend of mine um, for a gift for uh, babysitting a couple of weeks ago. So I am bartering your book with babysitting babysitting hours so I can go out and get shit hammered still. <laughs> I'm oh, but um, but you go, you talk about a, a little bit in your book about how you uh, I I don't know if you explicitly state this, but uh, you insinuate I, I actually do believe you say this, but religion is kind of uh, has uh, I'm sorry, politics has kind of taken over religion in terms of. Uh, what people fear, what how it's being used, it's it's kind of taking on a new form. You uh, mentioned that in your book. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit, please? Um, well, politics and 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 stardom, in a sense, you know, right? People used to worship. People used to worship these stars, you know, including our local star, the sun. And now it's it's no coincidence that celebrities are called stars, and they. Is that some sort of a need for that, which is is misplaced a lot at the moment, and and people used to tr- you know trust in the you know, the church, you know, the Catholic Church ran, you know, the Pope was the the chief head of state in Europe. He was above all the kings and, and queens, and he um he protected us from the devil and going to hell. And we had to follow his rules and regulations and do everything, or you know, the fear of hell. Mm-hmm. And you know, it wasn't there. Didn't have, they didn't have Russians then and nuclear missiles and stuff like that. <laughs> and now, you know, the governments are you know, given that responsibility to tell us how to behave and what to do and to to look after us and protect us. You know, not that many people are. You know, hell doesn't hold the same terrors and the devil as it used to in people's day-to-day lives. But, you know, they, they replaced it with the Russians. And when, when people stopped realizing that the Russians, stopped thinking the Russians are really going to want to invade America, I mean, it, it is quite a preposterous concept that are still out there. <laughs> and, you know, but now they, they, they've got the ideal enemy, the virus. Invisible. Every single person on earth threatens you. Yeah. I I saw that. There's funny. There's a parallel. I'm sorry to interrupt. There's a parallel in your book, uh, but you, you talk about that, about like invisible 
threats and everything like that and how the government politics has used that for a number of years. Religion has used that for a number of years. And yeah, yeah. it's very apt today with with COVID as it being a uh, invisible enemy, you know, that is yeah. kind of slowly but surely um, squeezing the neck of businesses and, and people in general in uh, in the world. Yeah. And getting everybody terrified, so so frightened, they're willing to accept any kind of legislation mm-hmm. to protect them from this. We've already had so much legislation protecting us from terrorism that kills more than a tenth as many people as the American police do. <laughs> Facts. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and laws protecting us from the Russians, and people stop being frightened of either of those. But the, the this virus that portrayed like it's a goddamn plague <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it would, which where they have to carry carts down the street every day bring out your bodies mm-hmm. and uh, you know, <laughs> i haven't had a cart come down my street you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe come when i'm still in bed I don't, I don't. that's but probably it's, it um, and it's it's really it's more shortening lives than than killing people mm-hmm. you know the the main victims have got a few months or years to live and that's it which is a bit and it's tragic to have that shortened but it's also um it's what flu and things like this do and it's not it's not threatening anybody really under the age of 70 you know you're one in twenty thousand people who get it yeah might die from it yeah i mean the cdc has a uh has a tracker uh that i still have that i have saved on my phone that i look at and um, I think it says uh, it, it just got updated to point eight out of a hundred thousand people die from it. You yeah. know, so if you yeah. out of a hundred thousand people that get it, not even one passes from it. But yeah. it's this fear based uh, system of of media and everything that I helped. I mean, I we, think we have still lost a lot of people. Though. Yeah, we I definitely mean, have. Point eight percent is a small number, but that I mean. There's still 400,000 people in the United States that aren't here anymore. And we do, and we do also every year with the flu and pneumonia and stuff like that. that and we have been for, for years. Right. And but centuries. this is adding another thing onto that plate. So we already well, had flu. We already had pneumonia. Now there's this well, as well. Well, the thing is, I, I'll go ahead, G. But, but nobody is dying of flu. Yeah. I mean, the right. flu numbers have dropped through the floor at the moment. Yeah. Right. And been replaced by COVID. And it, there, it is the case that. In England, for sure, and I believe it's the case in America. But in England, it specifies any if everybody who died, anybody who died for any reason within 25, 28 days of testing positive for COVID is put down as a COVID death. Mm-hmm. And, and every time they they put it on the TV, they say died for any reason, and and everybody who goes into hospital for any reason gets tested. And any who any who test positive and don't come out, whether it was a heart attack, a bullet, <laughs> bullet wounds, falling off of their bed, or being hit by a car, they do go into the numbers if they tested positive twenty eight days prior to. It. Why do you think that is? Why do you well, why do you think that they lump that everything? Are they trying to like bump the numbers to make it look like it's like worse than it is, I so they can get funding? See, I can't see any other reason because. It's easy when somebody, I mean, in America, you're getting people who, where, where COVID is, is a comorbidity with bullet wounds. Wow. And, but it gets added to the COVID numbers. I think it varies from state to state. But in England, that's definitely the way it is, and possibly in a lot of other countries. But that's, that's we don't know what the real number is. 
Well, what's the benefit of manufacturing these numbers then? Like, like what? Who ultimately benefits from this? Like, uh, from look, yeah, look at the people who have pharmace- pharmaceuticals well, or well, who's that benefiting. Look, from who, this? look at the people who have amassed them and um, an an imaginable amount of unimaginable amount of wealth during this whole process. You see like Bezos, you see what does Bezos have to do with them changing the numbers of people that died? Like well, you what, create fear, you create, uh, what's you, Amazon got to do with that? So when, when, when everything, well, I'm not saying it, I'm not accusing Jeff Bezos of anything here, but when all the shops are shut then when you're not allowed to go out to the shops and mm-hmm. the shops are shut, obviously Amazon does benefit from that. Right. And I'm not suggesting he's a collaborator for a minute though, yeah. but it's a, uh, yeah, it's um, who benefits from it is all the testing and the vaccination because now they want in England they want to test school children right once a week. Wow. And Wait, once a week? So far, the people I know have been tested is thirty three anywhere from thirty or pounds, let's say dollars, fifty pounds, fifty dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars to, to get your test. Wow. You know, when you need it for, for an airplane flight. Vaccinations cost money, and if they if you have to get vaccinated twice a year, everybody in the world that's a lot of people. And by getting people frightened of this terrible threat, which is not so terrible, it does kill people. But the viruses come and go in, in a, they, a couple of years is the maximum lifespan before they decay and become not a problem anymore. Oh, okay. But now they're constantly coming up with. It seems like they're constantly coming up with new. The, the, there's a new mutation of the virus. <laughs> and they tell you if it's more virulent, but m- more spreadable, but not whether it's more lethal. Yeah. We don't know. But the definite seems to be the strategy is to keep us all frightened enough till we get our vaccination passports. You know, at, I don't know if you remember this, Chad, but last year at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, President Trump sat up there in the White House in the Rose Garden with a bunch of uh, pharmaceutical CEOs, the CEO of uh, Walgreens, Walmart, Target. And he said that he was going to, that they were going to privatize the medicine, that the private industry was going to help out in collaboration with the government to uh, come up with a cure and come up with uh, um, uh, treatments. Yeah. I think that's, that. It, you guys, what you're explaining, it goes back to that, you know, because back then in, April or May of 2020, he they said that they were, that it was going to be the private industry that led the way for this. So then it makes sense for you to bump numbers and it makes sense for you to keep everybody in house and it makes sense for them to charge for all of these uh, vaccinations and the testing and all that if it's being handed, handled by the private sector from the jump. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I guess that answers the question, like who's getting money off of this? It's the private uh, medical, big pharma. Mm-hmm. Big pharma is the ones that are pocketing the uh the the surplus here and just imperialism in general yeah like uh that's being advanced obviously uh you you talked a little bit about the virus uh the mutation and stuff uh and and i know you talk a lot about uh the the conscious world and the conscious sun do you think you think coronavirus got a conscience (laughs) (laughs) what's that motherfucker thinking right now (laughs) something that pervades pervades the entire universe right down to the, every, every single atom. And there are two Princeton professors who came up with a mathematical theorem that, that proved, apparently, about 10 years ago, that, that proved that 
if we are conscious, if we have free will, like free will, then so do subatomic particles. And if subatomic, if subatomic particles don't have free will, then we don't. Um, and when you look at a, a cell in your body, there's five or 10 million different things, different entities in that cell, you know, excreting waste, taking food in, sending messages, repairing damage, preparing for replication. Um, and there's, you know, there's some free will going in there. They seem to know what they're doing. Now, a virus has never lived, but it still has some minute share of the consciousness in it. Um, if you, if you, you know, consciousness was once recognized as being in, in rivers and oceans mm-hmm. and thunderclouds and mountains. And where do you draw a line between a mountain and a boulder and a rock and a grain of sand? It's uh, you can you can draw lines of degree there, but it does seem to be part and parcel of, of everything. I mean, when you recognize that you know a piece of wood is or or metal is ninety nine percent empty space. Wow, mm-hmm. and we know that. But you can't, you know. But what is what is doing that that extra thing, and that is is light, which is the electromagnetic force, which 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 is everywhere in this universe. Electromagnetic force, which I believe to be the basic carrier of consciousness, and it manifests in all sorts of different ways. This electromagnetic force, this consciousness. And we we rent out our space in it, and it's like you know, we can we can rent it. We can have a huge amount of space, or or just be very self focused and low consciousness. It's do all it's all free. Do you believe all consciousness is equal, though? No, of course not. Okay. Um, well, what are the degrees of differences? Like, uh, I mean, clearly they that you one would surmise that uh, human consciousness is more complex than. That of a sub a part of a sub uh, atomic particle, yeah, yeah. But and that, yeah. But but on the same, but on a basic level, though, there is a reason for everything. Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you uh, were trying to communicate in the book? That there's a reason that everything does what it does. Not a not a uh, specific reason. I mean, it's it's. Be, I don't, it, it, you don't really need a reason for why it does what it does. But it's, it's not random. If, if it's all working together and you're getting the end result out of it, they don't necessarily know what the end result is. Right. The billions of bacteria, I mean, we've, we've got more, you know, we've got a huge colony in our gut, as we know, um, processing our food. It's, it's as influential as our brain on, on the rest of the body in many ways, influencing how, how what, what, we, what our tastes are even. Um, and they don't necessarily know anything about what we're thinking and what we're doing, but if they weren't there doing their stuff, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now about them. Kind of like your turkey burger, uh, recipe, how there was different people involved and they didn't know what the other one was doing, but they all served a purpose, uh, ultimately. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good well, point. Leave the turkeys out of it. Yeah, leave the turkeys <laughs> out. Not the, I'm sorry, your veggie burger. I said, I said turkey, turkey burger. burger. I said, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret ingredient is meat, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to put you out there like that. Yeah, your turkey burger. Right, <laughs> oh, so, G, we want to transition. We've only got like a 10 or so minutes left here, but uh, we want to transition into that because. Uh, I have to say, like, the your book is one of my favorite books of all time. I've read this uh, several times. I love this book. Um, you're talking here about, uh, like, possibly the sun being conscious and how right. it's capable of communicating in ways that we're probably not aware of or have any way to measure and everything like that. And how um, there was a time when we didn't believe this. We used to believe that... Um, this was all here for us and that the the earth was the center of the universe. Everything and, sur- uh, rotated around yeah. us. And so we found out through like Copernicus and uh, Giordano uh, Bruno um, uh, that this was not the case and everything like that. And then religion subverted those ideas through the threat of violence or just straight up violence. And um, these ideas weren't able to be explored as easily. And and, and we still, there's still like a, a, a we're we're still not able to study these ideas um as well as we would like to because one it's difficult to study it's difficult to study consciousness and everything like that but also because it's being subverted by you know the powers that be or what have you can you talk a little bit about that and how you think um uh how how why you believe the sun is conscious and and what that means for everyone else well i started off with the recognition that the I had I had the recognition of a conscious son from the age of seventeen. Wow! Um, and that was in Berkeley, California, nineteen sixty-seven, sixty-six, and it was on my first acid trip. I was just about to say that must have been a hell of an acid trip. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, a few other things got to either, but 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 I, but I recognized that there was as I was staring into it from the over, uh, hill of strawberry, top of Strawberry Canyon overlooking uh, San Francisco Bay, I realized that it was a two-way thing going on there and that, that there was a being there. It wasn't just a, an accidental light bulb in the sky that, mm-hmm. that happens to bring us the light of life. And I had that communication. Then when I started writing the book in the year 2000, I started to look at the science of it and the astrophysics of it. And it just so it so much supports the idea of a conscious son, and there would be so many less mysteries about the universe if people realized that it's not all accidental. That stars aren't just re, aren't simply mechanical bodies reacting nothing to nothing but the laws of gravity, and our science supports it so much today. And then when you think, as you're saying earlier, you, it was, it's a great creator of electromagnetic radiation, not just light, but in all different wavelengths, we tap into the light in a few of them. And then what do we do with electromagnetic radiation, radio, television, Wi-Fi, um, X-ray, MRI scans, you know, all this, all the things we use, all our communication, other than you know, verbal person to person, is using the electromagnetic force. And then we think, well, all these this 
emanations of electromagnetic force from stars. Oh, that's just like us farting when we haven't or belching when we haven't digested our food properly, mm. you know? <laughs> um, instead of thinking, maintaining these incredible outbursts of energy are perhaps directed, you know, sending information back and forth. It's, uh, and stars, you know, there's lots of silly things that stars are, most of them are couples. You know, binary systems. Most stars are mm-hmm. rotate around another star. They live in communities. They're not randomly scattered. You have clusters of stars. Um, you have clusters of galaxies. We know that galaxies is, have electromagnetic connections between them. The sort of spanning, you know, the space between galaxies is an electromagnetic tube, if you like, if you want to try and prescribe it physically. There's one between Earth and the sun. Um, which every eight minutes in this connection between Earth and Sun, tons of electroma- of high-energy particles pass back and forth between the Earth and the Sun. And then, and then it pulls apart, and then it rejoins eight minutes later, and the stuff comes back and forth. Wherever the Sun and the Earth are, this, this connection is there. It's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. Stuff. And it's just, you can't explain all this away as being just accidental. Do you, do you think that our understanding this theory could be paramount to the next evolution of humans and humanity? Great question. I think it would, it would totally transform science if we recognized that we are not the only conscious entity in the whole universe. The universe waited, you know, 14 odd billion years for consciousness to appear when we like dropped out of the trees and started walking around. <laughs> it's uh, it would make a huge difference. And, and we wouldn't be wasting billions and billions of dollars looking, trying to find dark, dark matter, mm-hmm. you know, and dark matter. It's the reason to, to look for it is because stars don't behave like random objects at all. They would, the galaxy wouldn't hold together. Um, if they were just random accidental spheres. And so they've invented dark matter, which nobody can find. It's, it's like, but if, if there's a lot of matter of some sort, that would explain why they're held together gravitationally. But it's, it's like in the 19th century, they were looking for the luminiferous, luminiferous F ether. Mm-hmm that everybody assumed had to be out there until Einstein came along and said, no, light doesn't need to travel through a medium like sound. Um, light, light doesn't light, light can exist without there being an area or a medium for it to exist in, which was a kind of radical thought, but consciousness in stars would, would solve so many little mysteries of the universe and, and open up many more to, to find out, like how it is that stars direct their their motion, it's a physicist in New York who is working on that actually. Really, right now? Yeah. Um, who who has that, who has that theory? He's, he's a physicist. Um, Gregory is his surname, mm-hmm. not his first name. I'm trying to remember his first name. I'm not going to stall on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's a scientist, and he he says. His theory is, you know, screw dark matter as well, but stars are volitional beings and they can direct their movement. And he's trying to find out how they direct their movement through the galaxy. 
I mean, through technology, like once we understand that, like we can advance our technology to where we can possibly be able to explore other galaxies and stuff uh, in a better way than we're doing right now. I mean, it takes forever for us to get a satellite to Jupiter. Um, but if we yeah. could understand that relationship between the stars and the magnetic poles between like the sun and ourselves and other planets in the sun, then perhaps there's also a way for us to um, harness that and, and use it so that we can also explore other be- uh, bodies out yeah. there. Yeah. G, I want to ask you, do you think that uh, religion has claimed a monopoly on spirituality? Do you think that like, uh, cause there's so many things, there's so many aspects of the sun, um, that Christianity has bastardized or other religions have bastardized and everything. And you're saying that, you know, before religion, people were actually praying or, or worshiping or looking, uh, admiring like the sun, the, the stars and everything like that. And then it changed at some point. Yeah. Before religion, you're, you're kind of defining religion as being the Abraham, three Abrahamic religions. Yeah. Like, there I, were other religions before that. Mm-hmm. Hinduism, Buddhism. Um, there, yeah. It was Zoroastrianism, um, Hindus, uh, and Shinto in Japan. You know, there's, there's been, people have been spiritual and connected to the earth, to, to rivers, to mountains, to stars, to, to our sun. There, there's always been that, that part of our psyche that, that is looking for, to connect with consciousnesses, if you like, other than our own. Whether they're divine or whether it's an oak tree, um, people used to have that connection and it's, it's something that's been taken away from us. And, you know, you say, do religions have a monopoly? If you're talking about the Abrahamic religions, well, you know, when you burn somebody or cut their head off or flog them for not (laughs) listening to what you tell them, that's a monopoly. Yeah. Uh, And the great thing about Zoroastrianism, one of my favorite religions, is that they completely, you know, free, they have no problems with other people and other, other religions. Even when Cyrus the Great, the, the conqueror in the Persian Empire, you know, he liberated the Jews. He liberated, he said, you know, freedom of religion for, for everybody and, um, and no oppression by your rulers. It was because it was, it was a Zoroastrianism recognized light as the ultimate deity. Hinduism um, was like that too. God was light. He wasn't a god of light or yeah. a god who created light. God was light. And, um, and he came and he influenced Christianity. Influence the Abrahamic religions, but they all turned God into this character, kind of like us, who created light, and that was a a big failing of them. Really, you say in your book uh, about how um, you're not saying that like all religion is terrible, and you say in fact that it's probably helped you know several million people. It's it's helped and made their lives better and everything like that. But you kind of contend that it's kind of outdated and we don't really need it anymore in terms of uh, the knowledge that we have and what we know about the world. I think we need spirituality. We need connection with with spirituality Mm -hmm. Um, and religions. There's a lot of really good stuff in religion. Yeah. Yeah. I know really good Christians who really behave like, you know, your idealized Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, but Christianity is a whole, whole different, and the Vatican and all that is a whole different scenario. And 
yeah, guidance, guidance is spiritual guidance is good. And whether people get it from yoga teachers or, you know, but it's, we don't want it from people who are monopolistic about it. That's, mm. that's the thing. I, I guess my problem with, my problem with religion is the hypocrisy that's prevalent in a lot of the Western religions and everything like that. Like we see with, like I've been to the Vatican and everything, and it's hilarious when you when the Pope gets up and he's talking about uh, world hunger and feeding people while he's like, while he's got like a a fucking gold hat on and shit, you know, and sitting in a chair that could end world hunger several times over, you know, and. It, like, dude, uh, you want to end world hunger? How about selling like one of those naked baby sculptures you got in the Vatican, and we could we could end world hunger several times over, dude. It's Na- not necessary. Naked baby sculpture. Have you seen? Yeah, there's. Th- first of all, it's hilarious. There's a there's a dress code to get in the Vatican. I saw a couple people like turned away because their skirt was like above their kneecaps. Is there a cover charge too? Uh, I don't think it sounds so. Sounds like a very spazzy but, club. <laughs> but, then, but then when you get in there, it's like all these pictures of like naked babies and naked baby sculptures They're and shit. Angels. It's like, dude, angels. yeah. So why we have a why is there a dress code if I'm just going to come in here and look at naked, naked people? I could have just went time. to R. Kelly's house for this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go to. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a spi- like a religious strip club or some shit. It's like you got a little bit of everything. You want a naked naked babies are on the West Wing. We got a naked man in the, in the North Wing and everything. But uh, that just the thing that pisses me off is just like the hypocrisy of religion. A lot of times you see yeah. you talk about this book in, in your book a little bit about how. Uh, religion has been used by you know some people, rulers, and everything like that to justify murder and and uh, yeah. suffering and everything like that. Like to that end, Chad. Like I, I think we have talked about this a little bit before, like uh, in private. Um, but like uh, reincarnation was something that was part of uh, Christianity for a long time, and then in like I think it was the 1600s they stopped yeah. they stopped talking about reincarnation. All of a sudden, the, the message changed, uh, and and it was kind of wiped out of it. And for me, it was like, why is that not discussed? Like, if that's a part of the religion, then why do you not talk about that no more? And it, I, to me, I felt like it just didn't serve the greater purpose of yeah. what they were trying to get done. So they omitted that from the text um, and to, to so they can try to manipulate the population to do what they're trying to get them to do. Uh, I mean, do you do you see, uh, Greg, people like religion wielding that power like that? Kind of like you said, in a, in a uh, monopoly type fashion, but like. Mm. I mean, they have the ability to change people's hearts and minds and really mold them. And it seems like they take advantage of that often. I agree. Oh, for sure. It's. The religions were a ruling class. You know, people, you know, there were times where priests and popes ruled people as much as kings and princes. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be prone to the same sort of corruption and deception and need to lie to, to keep their power as, as the politicians are. I and guess it's, again, it's again, they, they, they were supplying uh, the only spiritual cord to people. They cut off any other spiritual links. And this is the only way you can exercise that innate desire to have a connection with other consciousnesses. That's what I meant for them. I'm sorry. I was gonna say well, that's what I meant by the uh, the monopoly on spirituality is is yeah. by like force how they how you talk about in your book how they burned libraries with all kinds of ancient yeah. knowledge. We have no idea. Like you you posit in your book uh, did, was the uh, the recipe for how the pyramids were built. Did we lose that yeah. information when they when they burn these libraries down? That's what I mean by a monopoly on spirituality because they've gone through force through, by fear and they got rid of a lot of the information that we used to have and. 
They, information is power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they controlled information, and then they killed people who didn't believe in, in uh, you know, Christianity, whatever religion was prevailing in the certain sects of uh, of the world at that time. But that's what I mean by monopoly in terms of like they killed anyone that didn't believe what they believed and everything. Any religion based on fear is, in my mind, to be avoided. Yeah, and it's you know that's either fear of God or fear of being punished or burned if you don't believe it yeah greg before we get out of here i I have one question uh, on consciousness that uh or i guess it was a theory that i had and i wanted to see your thoughts on it uh like at the beginning of the pandemic i remember telling my wife that i felt like this was uh the earth like the planet itself uh has a way of curing itself when it when it needs to be cured so do you think that like um that the planet has the ability to you know manifest things to in an attempt to heal itself or for its own self-preservation if it is a conscious being um is it possible for it to you know i'm not saying that mother earth farted out covid and now we got to sit down but there was definitely some uh biological changes that an evolution that's happened uh under our noses without us knowing and i and i think that this was like the planet's way to get everybody to sit the fuck down for a minute so it can try to heal itself Am I, am I thinking crazy think here or is there like any type of plausible way that that could be true? I, I don't think so. I, I think this was an engineer, I mean, engineered virus. Oh, really? Just me thinking that it seems too. there's a lot of scientific consensus now that is looking at it and saying it could not have made that evolutionary leap from a, from a bat to, um, to what we have now without humans working on it. Wow. Well, if we take COVID off the bad? table, could uh, could the planet uh, do things like that to try to heal itself? Is it possible, you think, for it to um, have... I think it would, it would have to do something a hell of a lot more lethal than COVID-19. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're talking about reducing the population, um, it would have to do something much more serious than that because one out of a thousand people isn't going to make a difference. Yeah. A difference to the planet's health. But the, uh, the engineers of it, I suspect have, you know, they're, they're playing on the whole save the planet aspect of, of their controls, but their main, and, and it may help the planet, but I believe their main intention is to, reduce the numbers of in their in their minds useless people on the planet um people that you know all, all you can do is give them it gives them money um sort of universal basic income mm-hmm. but they don't they don't need you know they don't need that many of us to support their lifestyle right. anymore very true it's kind of as simple as that and this is and nobody's going to blame them because we can all blame a virus now yeah that's all so true so so we we engineered covid but when the super ebola comes that was earth <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, uh this is a question i always want to ask you with and we're, we'll end on this um because you study consciousness so much and you, and you know so much about it and everything and just because of your life experiences, I've always wanted to ask you this question. Since I read your book almost 10 years ago, um, what do you think happens when you die? Bro, that's a whole nother podcast. No, I know. But I'm just, I'm, a I mean, whole nother show. we're not we talking about, uh, I'm just saying, give me a, you know. Yeah, I want to talk succinct. about this. It's kind of like asking a uh a molecule of water in a mountain lake, do you think there's life after evaporation? Right. 
<laughs> or was their life when we were when it was frozen in ice? Mm-hmm. And it's just such a different, you know, a water mole- water molecule in a in a cloud drifting in the air or part of the humidity is so different from being water in a lake. And I think I think consciousness continues, but um, I, do I too. can't really not. You're not sure what form obviously. where where whether it comes back as me or as a as a combination of other elements of different different people, different spirits out there. And, uh, and I, you know, something we can all hopefully look forward to finding out one day. <laughs> yeah. If we even find out. Yeah. If, if there's a spirit we're going to kind of recognize what that we used to be a, a, a being on earth. You know, some people apparently make that transition and connect with the spirit world. And there was a famous Swedish character who used to, Trip, trip, travel into the spirit world, and people would say, "Oh, can you, can you get my our old uncle and tell, ask him where he left the money or the will?" <laughs> and the guy would come back and say, oh, "It's in the third drawer down in in the desk underneath the secret compartment." <laughs> you know, and they go there. That's where it would be. So yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think Swedenborg was his name. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's, there's lots of weird stuff and connections that have gone on. I can't. I knew. A, I knew a psychic surgeon once who you know was possessed he went into trance and totally changed his character and got into people with knives and broken glasses and performed surgery. And I mean, I saw, I've seen this with my own eyes. It's not something I expect anybody to believe. You look thread and pull it out uh, two minutes later and, and and there's just a hairline scratch the next day in front of doctors removing tumors and, Doctors in Brazil used to send. Anyway, so there's all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. Wait, 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 this dude would get possessed by like a super doctor and then do like <laughs> surgeries on like, people? It was like Doogie Hauser. Yo, Richard Pryor, if you can hear me, yeah, please <laughs> use a, this vessel. Yeah, I'm doing a show tomorrow night at 6 p.m. up in North Austin. If you could help me out, Rich, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Brazilian doctors sent, sent their patients to him when there was really? an operation. That they thought there was a good chance the patient would be blinded by it or die by the operation, they then send them to Louisville to do those sort of operations. It was, he was that well-known. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Gregory Sims, yeah, thank we you could, so yeah, much for we coming talk, on the we could, literally, we could literally talk to Greg for hours and hours, man. And we want to have you on again uh, sometime, maybe sure. in the summertime, Greg. Because uh, there's so many things we didn't get to that uh, me and me and Cheetah wanted to ask you. No, like we can, I can talk to you for a long time yeah. about all these different concepts and yeah. stuff. And I really do appreciate you coming on the gray area and, and sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah. Can, can you tell people where they can find you online? Yeah. Um, Gregory Sams, S-A-M-S. And if you Google that, there, there, you'll, you'll find quite a bit. You'll find my website and yeah. I've actually got all that right here. His uh, website is you Greg. Duck, you can duck, duck, you can duck, duck, go it as well. Yeah, you, yeah, do duck, duck, duck go duck, preferably. Go. Yes. But uh, GregorySams.com on Twitter, he is at Gregory1Sams. On Instagram, it's at Greg Solar. Um, on Facebook, it's Facebook.com backslash GregorySamsSolar as well. Uh, make sure you uh, give him a follow on uh, especially Facebook because I, I get so much. There's so many articles that he posts that I read and, and uh, stuff from his website. He's got a newsletter that you can sign up for that's very informative and, and awesome to read. But uh, it's awesome to 
be able to speak with you again, Greg, and talk about some of these super interesting topics. And like I said, we didn't even get to everything that we had uh, in our questions for you. I had so many, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to interview again sometime soon and uh, get on some of this other stuff. For sure. Chad, tell the people where they can find uh, all the gray area stuff online. So you can find us uh, uh, hotpiemedia.com. Uh-huh. Um, and then you can find us on uh, Instagram. It's uh, uh, at podcast the gray area boom um facebook.com backslash the gray area podcast and twitter i still don't even know our damn twitter we got a twitter and a youtube yeah Um, check it out just i mean look for look for this yeah yeah. if you see that then then that's that's it right there right there uh but for chad i'm cheatham thank you guys for tuning into the gray area thank you guys for letting us being us and until next time here's mud in your eyes guys peace Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.